1: It has become known in scientific circles that energy is at the core of everything. It is the currency of existence. But like the air we breathe, we take it for granted. To most people, it's invisible. And just like germs were invisible to us before the invention of microscopes, we now have technology for measuring some of the energies that were once invisible. Science can answer many questions about how and what, however, it does not always tell us why. Why do we do what we do? Why do we have breakdowns and breakthroughs? What is at the core of spiritual experience? What makes us anxious or depressed? What makes us fall in love or continually avoid falling in love? Today we'll be exploring some invaluable keys to work with the matrix of energy that courses through the mind and body with our guest, Dr. Anadeya Judith. Anadeya Judith holds a doctorate degree in psychology and human health. She is a 500 hour registered yoga teacher and is considered one of the foremost experts on the combination of chakras and therapeutic issues and an interpreter of the Chakra System for the Western Lifestyle. She conducts many talks and retreats and is the author of many books, including Wheels of Life and Charge and the Energy Body, the Vital Key to Healing Your Life, Your Chakras and Your Relationships. Join us for the next hour as we explore balancing our chakra system for psychological, emotional, and spiritual healing with our guest, Dr. Anadea Judith. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Anadea, welcome. Thank you, Justine.
2: Delighted to be here.
1: It's just a delight to have you here once more. I know, as I mentioned in the introduction, you are an expert on chakras. And I'd love for you to kind of go back and fill us in on how you first even became aware of chakras and why this was of interest to you as a form of study.
2: Well, that goes back to the mid-70s when I was studying yoga. And reading everything I could on metaphysics and healing. and, you know, I was a psychology major, but I'd gotten fed up with that and left school for a while to study. And um, I real, and I was reading something about the chakras, and this shot of energy went through my whole body. And what I was reading was saying, upper chakras, very good, lower chakras, bad, evil, shut them down. And I just intrinsically knew in that moment, there's something not right about that interpretation. Why would we have a system, such a profound system as I've come to realize over the years, of seven chakras only to deny half of them? That's not the point. Each one is a stepping stone. Each one is intrinsically important to the whole system. And so it became my life's work to modernize the chakra system, to really look—not only did I do research of the ancient texts, but also you know modern psychology and modern science and the things we know now that weren't known then, and put them together to bridge mind and body, heaven and earth— spirit and matter and i see the chakra system as that you know rainbow bridge that connects what has been divorced polarities in our culture
1: when i look at it and the way that you're looking at it as i went through your work i was reminded that how you approach it is that awareness is more than just in our brain you know Absolutely. We, i was thinking well we're such a visual culture, so the, we, we sight or our eyesight is very important, and our eyes are, the way that they're distributed in our body is up in the upper, that upper level, and we kind of think of it right in front of our brain. So we think awareness, brain. But you're talking about another, that awareness can be all the way through our body. I'd love for you to expound on that or give us some insight.
2: Well, awareness is really an embodied awareness. We have nerve endings all through our skin. Every square inch of our body is covered with nerve endings that can sense changes in temperature, uh, movement, gravity, pressure. We're constantly sensing our environment through those nerve endings. And the brain, you know, some of the recent research in consciousness, you know, we've thought of the brain as the generator of consciousness, but it's really just sort of the processor of it, Um, that consciousness is throughout the whole body. They've done some studies of the timing it takes a baseball hitter to hit a ball when it's being thrown. And I was just at a baseball game the other night. Those balls go 90 miles an hour you have to have split-second timing to hit that ball. And they say going through the nervous system for your eyes to send it to the brain and your brain to send it to your hands is too slow. It's not possible. But actually electrical movement goes through the connective tissue of the body in a whole holistic response and that it happens that way. So we are really, our brain is a whole energetic experience.
1: So it's, it's, beyond just that that thing that weighs, what, five pounds or something that's beyond that. And I, I'm reminded, as you were saying that, about your analogy of... The, the computer analogy and and the different different facts of the hardware, the computer yeah. and the software and the, the operating system. So that's a wonderful analogy to kind of help us understand.
2: Yeah, I'm so grateful that we have computers as a way to relate to this and, and understand that we know whether it's a, you know, laptop or an iPhone, that's your piece of hardware. And onto it, you have installed all kinds of software. You know, if it's your phone, it's your phone number. Numbers in your pictures and your music and, and all of that. But if your battery goes dead, it's useless until you have a new charge coming through it. So it is the electricity going through the system that allows the software and the hardware to connect. Well, in the same way, I have a body, and my hardware happens to be female, and you know, I happen to be my height and blue eyes and whatnot. And onto this has been installed tons of software since the day I was born, everything from my name to the languages I speak to the things I remember. And what connects those is the life force energy in me. And what my programming is doing is it's telling that life force where to go in my body and where not to. It's saying... Oh, everybody's looking at you, stand up straight, put your shoulders back, hold your stomach in, smile, or someone else's talking time to be quiet. These are programs that then act on our energy, but they can go even deeper. Oh, I don't want to access my feelings. I don't want to open my heart. Oh, it's not safe to speak up. These are programs too, and they act on the energy and create blocks in the body that take place in the hardware. I know that you
1: use um, you use a different word for energy, and you call it charge. In fact, that's in the title of your book, "Charge in the Energy Body."
2: Charge. Why that word? Well, charge is something that we can all relate to, you know, and it's the same thing as prana, which is what the yogis call the life force, or, you know, um, acupuncturists call it chi, Freud called it libido, Star Wars calls it the force, you know, these are all the same thing. But charge is something like when you have a charge on something, you know it. And so I say charge stands for consciousness. Having a really genuine experience. Because when you're charged up, you're angry, you're upset, you're scared, you're excited, you're thrilled, um, you're erotically aroused, you know you're having a real experience. And so it is this, and you can say it to a child. You can say, Oh, you're all charged up about this, aren't you? Or you can say it to a spouse who's yelling, Oh, you got a big charge on this issue. Or you can say it to your therapist, No, I have a big charge on this. Or, you know, I have a big charge about politics these days. <laughs> um, you know, so we have a very common vernacular. And I think if people are going to start understanding their own energy, we need a common language.
1: So you're, th- you're really giving some illustrations and examples of a positive charge and a negative charge. So can you please say something about that?
2: Yeah, so charge is really neutral, but how it goes through your system and the beliefs you have about it can be positive or negative. So, you know, anger can be very destructive or it can be productive. You can say, I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. I need to make a change. And that's what you can do with your anger. Fear can paralyze you or it can motivate you. So the charge itself is neutral. But if we think fear is bad, then we say, Oh, I'm having fear. I'm having a negative emotion. I don't want to have this. And then I suppress it. So if we take the value judgment off it and we just meet our charge and say, Oh, this is life force coming through me. Hello. What do you have to teach me? Where are you trying to go? How can I free you up to become more alive? then we can embrace our charge and do what I call harvesting it, which means we bring it into our tissues for more aliveness.
1: So that's a that's a big one. And I know that you mentioned that many times in your your whole experience and your whole philosophy is harvesting the charge. And I I, I want you to help Flash that out a bit, harvesting the charge. What does that mean?
2: Well, most people can relate to charge as an emotional charge. It's not the only kind, but that's the easiest way to give an example. And some people, when they have an emotional charge, they try to suppress it. They lock it up. They go, I don't want this to come up. Other people try to get rid of it. They go, I have to get angry because I've got so much energy right now, or I have to cry it all out. And those are discharges. When I say harvest, what I'm meaning is you neither repress it nor discharge it, but you dissolve the blocks in the body so that that charge can permeate the cells in your body for more aliveness. We're harvesting it the way a farmer will harvest his crop. You get to keep it that way because the charge is golden. So you're
1: collecting it and keeping it. I'm just wondering if the analogy of uh, like uh, sequestering uh, water in the soil. Yes, very much so.
2: Yeah, you're nourishing yourself with it. You know, which is what a farmer does with their crops and they can eat them and they can nourish themselves throughout the winter. So you're actually nourishing yourself. When I'm with a client or someone in a workshop and they are doing this process and they experience the harvesting, they experience it either as a warmth, a relaxation, or a kind of tingling in their body. We'll talk more about
1: that in just one moment. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Anadea Judith, and she is the author of Charge and the Energy Body, the Vital Key to Healing Your Life, Your Chakras, and Your Relationships. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, AnadeaJudith.com. That's A-N-O-D-E-A, Judith. .com or you can get there through the new dimensions website newdimensions.org I'm Justine Willis Toms you're listening to new dimensions I'm here with Dr. Anandeya Judith, and she is the author of *Charge in the Energy Body*, the vital key to healing your life, your chakras, and your relationships. Anandeya, um, what is your working definition for the chakras?
2: Is it chakras or chakras? The proper way to pronounce it is chakras, like the hard C-H, like church. Okay, thank you. And it's at chakras if you said it the way the Indians do. Of course, everybody says chakras these days, so either one is all right. Yeah, um, my working definition is that chakras are organizational centers in the body for the reception, the assimilation, the storage, and the expression of life force energy. So in other words, we take it in, like you're taking in these words right now, you're assimilating them, you may be translating them into your own inner language, or sometimes people are taking notes as I say this, they're assimilating it, you're storing it, you're putting it in memory somewhere, and you may be go home and tell somebody something about what you learned, and you're expressing it. So we do this on each of the different levels of the chakras. We do it with food. We do it with breath. We do it with emotions. We do it with uh, sights that we see that we take in and store in our memory. We do it with things we learn. So we want a chakra to function properly to do all four of those functions, receive, assimilate, store, and express.
1: So you can kind of think of like R-A-S-E, yeah. Rays oh, without good. the yeah, RALT. Okay, and and that just, uh, how would we then, how does this energy get blocked? Give some examples of how we block this energy.
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, we have a body that is an organic, um, ner- has an organic nervous system that is set up to respond to challenges and stimuli. And then we have our programming. And the programming says, don't make a noise, don't be quiet, hold yourself in. And, you know, we get all these commands as we're growing up. Well, you're too much, sit still, be quiet. You know, what's the matter with you? You're always acting out. And then we learn with our mind to act upon our body and its energy to not do that. We're about the only animal that can override our instincts in that way. And that creates a kind of blockage. So that every time, let's say, somebody's anger comes up, the same message comes down, oh, it's not nice to get angry, or don't get angry at your boss, he might lose your job, or don't get angry at your partner, he might leave you. So the programming then acts on the organic nature of the body, and they're at odds with each other. I'm
1: just thinking of an example in in these days, um, the Me Too movement. And in that movement, there are many women who have grown up in a whole culture to not report or not make waves or not to resist in some way, to be nice and damp down their feelings of, this is not right, or that, that feeling of, that oh, I, I've been violated, but to be nice. So
2: that might be an example. An example. And so they push down their natural reaction to say, hey, no, buddy, that's not okay. You know, it's not okay to reach into my blouse or it's not okay to reach under my skirt. And it it gets repressed. And then that creates a block. And then the next time it happens, they're still unable to say something because the programming overrides the body's natural response. Now, I don't think the answer in all things is just to let the body have its way. We don't get to say and do anything we want and steal and hit and kill. And you know that's not the point. We have the mind for a reason, but they need to be working in harmony.
1: So let's say in that example, how would we then retrain ourselves to be more skillful?
2: Well, we have to pay attention to both messages, what the mind is saying and what the body is saying. Now, in terms of the chakras, I see what's coming from the body moving upward. It moves up the spine from the lowest chakra at the base all the way up to the crown. The mind moves downward. We become aware of things. We send thoughts down into our body. I pay attention to my hips and what they're feeling. So these two currents, the upward current, which I call liberation, the current of liberation, and the downward current of manifestation are simultaneously going on in the chakras. It's when they lock that we have a problem. It's when they are not in accord. So just like getting a car out of the mud. You know, you go forward and backward Mm -hmm. and forward and backward. And then one of those times you swing out, we have to honor both sides of the block. I want to be seen and I need to hide. (laughs) You know, uh, I want to be close and I need some space. We have to honor both sides. And by honoring both sides, have them, you know, sit side by side and say, well, what's a common solution? What's a win-win solution here?
1: So that just brings to mind let's let's go through a little bit of the the sh, the chat sh- sh- chakras and the lower ones, what are they? Just if you can describe them, give give us a description. So these
2: energy centers have locations that they're given in the body. Even though they're not a physical thing, like an organ, they have locations. So the first chakra is said to reside at the base of the spine, connects with the legs and feet. And I think of the legs like the roots that go into the earth, because the first chakra element is earth. So they say that um, relates to our survival consciousness, our instinct, you know, you shiver when you're cold, you sweat when you're hot, you yawn when you're sleepy, you think about food when you're hungry. These are survival instincts that are hardwired into the nervous system. And they're hardwired to um, for self-preservation right? Second chakra is more emotional. It's in the abdomen, low back, hip area, genitals. They say it's emotional and sexual. It's the element water. So it's about the flow. Emotions are a flow of charge. We say, oh, that's really moved me. That means something moved inside. I felt The energy moving in my belly or moving up to my heart. So, you know, when we're moved, and actually emotion comes from the Latin word mover, to move, and E meaning out. So it's the moving out of energy. Then in the third chakra, charge arises for the purpose of action. Third chakra is often called our power chakra. It's in the solar plexus. It's the element fire. So it's our vitality, our get up and go. And We want to have that vitality, and we want to have it in a way that we can command that vitality into the action we intend to. You know, when we successfully do what we intend, we say we have a strong will, right? That's what will is. So charge arises for the purpose of action in the third chakra. In the heart chakra, charge arises for love. And we know that a child receives love from his or her parents and that's a charge that they're taking in that is as important as the food or the breath they're taking in. And that when we fall in love, we have this high, we're full of charge, that when we have a loss of love, we crash. Um, So there's a big charge in love. In the throat chakra, it is about communication. So we have the charge of our truth. Sometimes when people are about to say something very important and vulnerable, you can see the charge come up in them. Their voice shakes. Their jaw trembles. Uh, We have the charge of imagination in the sixth chakra, the third eye. And that's how we see. We imagine and we remember and we dream and we have intuition. Or you might have a hunch about something and have a charge about, oh, I don't know if this is going to be a good thing. And then charge in the seventh chakra is basically awareness. The more charge we have, the more we're aware. So if you really have a big charge about something, you're aware of everything around that. If you don't have a charge about something, it doesn't matter that much. You don't pay that much attention to it. So charge is awareness, and that's our crown chakra. Let's go back to
1: the third chakra, will. So what does it mean? You spoke about the positive aspects of that power in the center, in the solar plexus. I kind of think of it as Mars energy, you it know, warrior like Mars energy. So, what does it mean to be willful, which is a more negative connotation to be willful? Can you speak about that?
2: Yeah, well, I think when we're talking about power, we can talk about power over, which is a kind of control or domination, or we can talk about power with where all our parts are working with each other. And That for, I think, personal power is the ability to channel your energy into productive activity. That you can actually, instead of getting distracted, you can do what you set out to do. If you decide you want to get up every morning at 6 and meditate, that you can actually follow through and do that. That's not easy for most everybody (laughs) to follow through with their will. So we can be willful, which is often what a child is told when they're trying to get their own way. You know, oh, you're not going to bed when I say you're such a willful child. That's actually a healthy sign in a child that they are going to have some will. And so many children get their will broken that then they get in life and they go, well, why can't I follow through on tasks? Why can't I finish school? Why can't I do what I say I'm going to do? Because they didn't develop their will.
1: You know, one of the memories I have of my childhood was a little rhyme my mother would tell me. She would say, Oh, there once was a little girl with a curl right in the middle of her forehead. When she was
2: good, she was very, very good. good. And when When she she was was bad, she was was horrid. I was told the same thing. And even when my mother was washing my hair, she'd make a little curl while the hair was all sudsy and say, see the little curl on your forehead?
1: (laughs) So you're saying that part of that is like it's good that If we can use that for the benefit of ourselves and for those around us in a cooperative way, not
2: as just a defiant, just for defiance sake. Exactly, exactly. And defiance is not really being strongly in our power. It's reacting to something. You say yes, so I'm going to say no. Well, that's not really coming from my own autonomy You know, so we want to be able to feel our own autonomy, know who we are, know what our game plan is and be able to follow through. But it's not about dominating other people. I find that the dominating other people comes from a child that was dominated. And then they say, no one's ever going to do that to me again. I'm going to be the biggest, most powerful person in the business and I'm going to be on top and and I'll never be vulnerable again. Bullies come from. And that's where bullies come from. And that creates something I talk about in the book, the challenger-defender character structure. They always have to be on top and be in power. And it comes from a childhood where their will was manipulated by someone or where they were betrayed in some way. So that's where we really need to pay
1: attention then how we use that that power center and um, be aware of of the beliefs that we have around them, of of habits. And I want to talk about beliefs and habits and those things coming up. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Dr. Anadea Judith, and she's the author of Charge and the Energy Body, the Vital Key to Healing Your Life, Your Chakras, and Your Relationships. And if you want to know more about her, you can go to her website, anadeajudith.com. She spells her name A-N-O-D-E-A, Judith, J-U-D-I-T-H, dot com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. And if you get her book, like on her website or wherever, and you let her know, you can get the free downloads of these wonderful exercises that you have. Videos. Oh, goody, videos of these exercises that she has throughout her book, to help you with these various energies. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Anadea Judith, and she is the author of Charge in the Energy Body. Anadea, we were just talking about beliefs and how they, they can really control us. They're, um, I, I think you even when you go back to the idea of ourselves as a computer, the analogy is a computer system, they're the kind of operating system. Beliefs are part of that operating system, and they can be
2: helpful or they can also hold us back. They tell us how to operate, and they direct attention. So you put your attention on what you believe is important. You don't believe this is important, you don't pay it any mind. You believe it's important to study this or, you know, you get a pain in your body, you say it's important to pay attention to it or it's not. So they actually create our experience because wherever our attention goes, that's what we're experiencing in that moment, right? So I'm putting my attention on you right now, I'm experiencing you. If there was a loud sound outside, my attention would would be distracted. So... We can believe we're not worthy. We can believe life is hard. We can believe that, you know, relationships don't work out. We can believe that there's something wrong with me or I'm flawed in some way. These are common beliefs that people have, and they may not even be aware of them. But they are filtering their experience. And as they filter their experience, they become more evidence for that belief. Well, see, you know, relationships work out. That one didn't work out either. And -and so-and-so, she didn't work out. And that's what they're putting their attention on instead of noticing all the relationships that are working out. So they also become habits. Yes, absolutely. And they become grooves in the thought processes of the brain. The more we study neuroscience now with, you know, the maxim people are – saying all the time, neurons that fire together wire together, the more often you have a negative thought, like I'm not good enough or I don't have what it takes, the more you wire your neurons into that and the more you're going to have that experience. So, we're actually creating our experience with our beliefs. Change your beliefs, and you begin to change your experience.
1: So, you first have to know what you believe.
2: That's right. That's right. (laughs) And that's the tricky part. That's the tricky part because so many beliefs are hidden, you know? But you can say, you know, whatever is persisting in your life, what would somebody have to believe to create that? Or what do you believe about that? You know, if money problems are persisting in your life, well, what are your beliefs about money? What are your beliefs about prosperity and work? And where did you get that? And did your parents teach you life is hard and you have to work? And then maybe your little kid goes, but I don't want to work that hard. And there's a block there. So we have to get at um, a, really a belief self-diagnosis. So when something keeps reoccurring, let's say, um, love
1: relationships never work out. And then you would ask that question, well, I wonder what I believe about love and intimacy. And so this is where you go deeper, which reminds me of something else. When you work with charge in the body, you say very specifically, it's not about the circumstances of the charge it's about the charge itself. Can you enlighten us about yes, what you Yes, that's a very
2: important point. So our charge gets triggered by something happening. You're in a relationship and your partner says something to you. They criticize you or they don't return a phone call or, you know, something. And you get some charge from it. That's a common experience. And most people will focus on, that's what he did to me, or that's what she said, and they're always doing this. They're focusing outside themselves. Instead, we go, okay, Oh, I got charge coming up in me. That's interesting. Let me feel where the charge is. What chakra is it in? Oh, it's in my heart. Oh, it's in my belly. Oh, it's in my throat. What is that charge trying to open in me? Where is it trying to go? Oh, it's in my throat, and it actually is coming into me wanting to say something. Oh, well, when have I not been able to say something? Oh, yeah, my father never let me talk back when I was a little kid, and he was scolding me, and now I feel like that again every time my boyfriend interrupts me. So we start to make these connections. If we can take it off those current circumstances and say, where is it in the body? Where is it going? And where am I blocking it? How can I free that up from where I'm blocking it? So let's give
1: another example. Let's suppose that I feel, all right, something happens. Let me see if I can think of an example. Um, Just something real simple. Someone cuts me off in traffic and suddenly I just like really get feeling like something charges up in me and I can feel it. And I go, oh, boy, that hit me right in the solar plexus, Mm -hmm. right in the middle of my body. So what would I do with that
2: then? Well, if you're driving, it's hard to do much with it. You know, you'd almost have to pull over to work Uh with it. But then you go, okay, let me feel what this is like in my belly. And you can even say, thank you. I got a delivery of charge. Charge is golden. And what am I doing to block it? Oh, I'm holding my breath. Well, let me take a deep breath, let me breathe a little easy. Oh, I'm making a fist, maybe I can relax my palms. Oh, I wanna pound the steering wheel, you know? Well, maybe I can pound it for a minute and get that out of my system and then soften it and open my hands and see what that feels like. So the main piece of information is how do we block it and how? And that's an unconscious thing, holding our breath or tightening our shoulders or you know, tightening up the belly. When we bring our mind to it, it becomes conscious. Then we can do something about the block and allow the charge to come through and not block it. So what I get from what
1: you're saying is that the first thing to do is to notice where you're feeling it in the body. That's number one. That's the first thing to go to. The rest can follow after that, and you might figure out that it's something in your past or some pattern that's occurred in your life. But before you figure that out, don't go there first is what you're saying. Don't, don't try and figure out, oh, I'm mad because that person cut me off because it's hard to leap into that first.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to let go of the outer circumstances because they're so important. Well, they did that to me. They ripped me off. They, you know, and sure, that's good evidence, but you've got a charge. Let's work with that. You know, let's work with what it's doing in your body because it's going to go into your configuration, however you have put yourself together, with all your defenses and gifts and openness and blocks. Everybody has them, and it's going to go through that shape. So when I do my workshops and I have people work with some charge material, I say, it doesn't matter whether you're picking the person that cut you off in traffic, you're picking something you read in the news today, Or you're picking a major issue that happened in your family of origin. Your charge is going to go to the same place and it's going to light up the same block. And it's that block that we're going to work with.
1: That takes us to relationship. Now, it's not just our charge, but when we're in relationship, especially an intimate relationship or even a work relationship or whatever, the people that we're around constantly, we're going to kind of trigger each other's charges, aren't we? So what's your advice about relationship and charges?
2: Well, it's guaranteed that your other relationships are going to trigger your charge, and it is going to trigger it so that you can bring it up and heal it. And the thing, again, we do in relationship is you're doing this to me. You know, this is your fault that I feel this way. And then you're missing the point. So when you get charged in a relationship, a partner says something and oh, there's that issue again, and you've got your charge going. Or when you say something like in my relationship, my partner will say, you got a little charge on that, don't you? And I'll just—we have this language, the common language now, and I'll stop and I'll go, yeah, I do. All right, let me look and see what that's about. And, oh, I realize I've been carrying this charge for a couple weeks because I never got to talk to you about this, or I carry this charge because this is what used to happen to me in my former marriage, or this is what used to happen to me as a kid, or this has been an issue for me all my life. And we can work with it in that way and when you when you can do that it diffuses it a little bit then you can talk about the issue the issue might be real but you can talk about it without all that extra charge on top because when you're saying something to someone oh you did this again you're so stupid they can't hear it when all that charge is coming right. at them it's toxic And so you know, when someone is discharging in that way in relationship, and I I tell this to couples when I'm with them and it's happening, um, don't even bother to interrupt. Let a person finish discharging, kind of turn sideways so you're not taking all that energy into your chakras until they're all done. Practice some active listening. So I hear you saying this. I hear that you're frustrated. I hear that you're angry. I hear that you're upset. And then when that's all diffused, you can say something and it'll get in. But if you try to get something in to that torrent of charge, it's like trying to swim upstream in a strong current. You won't get anywhere.
1: I, I know in your book, you give us a brief reminder of the work of Susan Campbell and John Gray yeah. and their book on the five-minute minute relationship, relationship, relationship uh, which we've done an interview on, which is on our website. But... Uh, And I I loved it because you're just a reminder of, hey, pause. Take that pause. You know, however long that is, you know, five minutes or two minutes or whatever it is, you know, and that's what you're saying is just, hey, pause. You're not going to just kind of jump
2: right into the fray. Yeah, yeah. And before you discharge all your toxic charge on another person, Go, okay, what is this charge I have? What's the real basis for it? What are what's the need that's not being met? What's the fear that I have? What's the feeling that's going on? What's my belief about this? These are some of the questions uh from her work actually that she has you go through when you take your pause. And then that pause is not indefinite. You say, look, I need to take fifteen minutes. Can we come back in fifteen minutes and, you know, take another stab at this?
1: Yeah. And yeah.
2: But in the meantime, I'm going to harvest some of my charge so I don't have to throw it all on you.
1: There you go. So the world would be a much better place. Oh, uh, wouldn't I, it? You know, if we we really pay attention to that. So um, we've talked a little bit about relationship. And I, I do want to talk about charge in a, a full group situation. So... We, I, and I know that you give some wonderful um, ideas from some teachers that have been around for a long time. Freud is one, and Gustav Lebon, I think, mm-hmm. is another. Mm-hmm. So I'd love for you to share with us a bit about that in just one moment. But I do want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Anadeya Judith, and she is the author of Charge in the Energy Body, the Vital Key to Healing Your Life, Your Chakras, and Your Relationships. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, AnadeyaJudith.com, and she spells her name A-N-O-D-E-A Judith, J-U-D-I-T-H, AnadeyaJudith.com. And in the book, she has wonderful exercises. And on her website, she has some free videos that go along with, with the book. If you uh, get the book from her or, or wherever, uh, then to, um, that you can get download these free videos. So check that out on her website. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine willis Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Anodea Judith, and she is the author of Charge in the Energy Body, the Vital Key to Healing Your Life, Your Chakras, and Your Relationships. Anadea, what happens when the uh, energy, we, we, we can't release a charge?
2: Yeah, that happens in children. are told, you know, shut up, don't talk to me that way, don't get angry, don't cry like that. We have to sit on our charge, and in and, charge, and, um, somatic therapy, it's called binding the charge. And binding is like tying strings around a paper package so nothing falls out. And we bind it into the body. We bind it into muscular tension. That's the most common way. We bind it into repetitive thoughts. We bind it, um, some people bind it by making a larger body. And they have more tissue, so they bind it into fat or eating or drinking or smoking or some kind of habit. It could be binding it into a behavior, a repetitive behavior, like tapping on doorknobs or washing your hands or um, playing on your phone. Um, And binding the charge keeps it locked up. It's like putting it in jail. It's still there, but it's not free to be expressed, and it creates blocks in the body. Now, the problem is when you have bound charge, inevitably you're going to either be in a relationship or a group situation where that charge is triggered and then it wants to get loose. So
1: now this takes us to that group dynamic, and I would love for you to talk about what that has to do with the group dynamic.
2: Well, when you have a lot of people who have some bound-up charge, and anger is one of the most dangerous and most common. People are unhappy with their life. They've grown up in the ghetto. They're been the subject of repeated racism and oppression. They're going to have some anger. They get together in a group, and someone says, well, let's break a window, Someone on their own might not do that, but when they're in the group there's a certain kind of anonymity that happens. And the boundaries start to dissolve, and so all of a sudden that charge is given an outlet that is has permission. Okay, well, this guy in the group is breaking the window. I can throw a rock and break a window too. And that's how, you know, riots can start. It's how a movement can, you know, a, a strong leader can channel that that anger as a charge into something, and they can channel it into beliefs. And beliefs has a have a tremendous charge for a group. you know, whether it's a religious belief or um, you know, a, a, a sexual political. morality belief or a political group political or belief. whatever. Yeah. people get very upset when their beliefs are challenged. And the groups hold the beliefs together, and they have a higher charge because we're all holding this together.
1: However, in in that situation, and I think you point out in your work, that um, we think of that belief that we have as our individual choice. Yes, that's right. We we feel like, oh, wait, this is my belief, and we want to stand on the soapbox and just defend it because it's our individual belief. Well, what you're saying is that there's this other dynamic going on that is is a group think, so to speak.
2: It is, and it becomes an identity. I have this belief because I'm a conservative or I'm a liberal or I'm a progressive or I'm gay or I'm, you know, whatever. And that's part of the identity. And in that identity, we believe these things. I mean, we want to belong to a group. We do. And it's a really big human thing because there's a huge charge of, oh, I'm in this group, you know, and we share this together. And we can get angry together and we can get upset together and we can crusade together. And there's a lot of charge and energy in that that people get sucked into when their own energy is blocked.
1: Well, you can think about it. Talking about crusade, I mean, sure. going back to the crusades back in in former centuries when the group think was like putting people to the stake uh, for their religious beliefs. Yeah. And,
2: it's a Deus lo volt, and that yeah. means God wills it. Yeah, and I'm you know, and then they have that energy freed up. Because they have permission. Remember, beliefs is what kept it down. Oh, I don't have permission to be angry. Then all of a sudden they do and they can act on it. And so they can destroy. They can follow a, a leader that's taking them in the wrong direction. Uh, it's very powerful. I mean, look at what Hitler did. <laughs> I was just thinking of Hitler and,
1: and how the, the the people, the group think, you know, they smashed the windows of, of Jewish citizens in Germany and— um, you know, that was kind of a group thing where where an individual might not have done it. And, and if Freud were thinking about this, he would say the superego, which right. is the conscience yeah. of a person, is then sublimated to
2: this group. And you would do something you'd never do on your own. Exactly. Exactly. And a strong orator, a strong leader can get everyone, you know, hail Hitler, raising their hands together and they feel this tremendous group energy and they think that's because the leader is special. It's really the group energy they're experiencing.
1: Well, here's a positive alright, I'm going to say it's a positive energy the group energy was Dr. Martin Luther King speaking yes. on the, in the mall uh, and his I Have a Dream uh, mm-hmm. speech where the whole group was and we just all felt really enlivened by that. And so, what's the difference there? That one is, all right. I'm going to say the difference is one is life
2: enhancing, and one is not life enhancing. I, maybe I would agree with you, and that one can be destructive, and one can be constructive. I have a dream. Here's what we can do. We can empower our citizens. Black people can have hope from their you know, horrendous circumstances that we can rise above this and we can rise to equality. That has a beautiful energy. Or we can destroy it. We can smash something. And so I think we have to be very careful with this group energy in which way we would direct it. If we don't direct it to something positive, people will latch on to the negative. And I think one thing in the world right now is that there's not enough articulation of a positive vision of where we can go in humanity, where we can go as a people at this time. It's not being articulated much. So we're actually being drawn into a more debased conversation where we're looking at what's wrong and we're seizing on this and who said this to that and is it true and is it not. And, and that polarization
1: of you believe this and we believe this and you're absolutely wrong or you're, this side is absolutely yeah. wrong. We're just not – we're just all in our, our different silos and, and nothing is getting really – Coming together for the positive good for all.
2: We need another "I Have a Dream" speech. You know, we need another Martin Luther King to pull it together to transcend these polarities and say, "Here's where we can go as humanity." Well, that's the whole thing.
1: So, if we have, if we have this charge as a society, we're 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 collectively charged right now. I think we are in, in the U.S. We are collectively charged and so what we have if we have leaders that then are charismatic enough to give a suggestion and that suggestion is taken up in in and combined with this charge then we might go to smashing things or or to making other people wrong and and just sticking with i have i'm the truth and the light and this is the only way to go so what's well, a way we see out the of rise it?
2: of hate crimes right now, Yeah, you know, and this is the anger that's been in there that hasn't had a place to go. And again, I keep saying because it doesn't have a positive place. You know, with a child, when you take away their toy, say, no, no, you can't play with this knife, they're going to scream and holler. But if you take away the knife and you say, but here's, another, here's a, a doll or a truck or whatever that you can play with, you're giving them something else, they'll let go of the knife. Right. Right. So we need to give a positive vision of what we can become on this earth at this time as a humanity with all the technology and skills and science and knowledge and interconnection and communication that we have we're on you know we can create a utopian society and we need to be articulating that what are we here for so
1: what do we need to do to watch our own individual charge around this group think
2: Yeah, we need to be mindful of what the charge is doing in our own body. We keep coming back to our own body. The more we have worked it out inside, the less we'll be subject to this groupthink. And we need to question. You know, we need to question motives, question ourselves. Am I doing this just to, so I've got a backlog of anger that I'm trying to get back at somebody? Or am I doing this because this is really my core beliefs? You know, I say in the book that the ultimate goal is to be in the center of your own charge so that that's where the chakras are, right up and down the core of the body. If you can occupy the center, be in the center, then you are in charge of your own self and you're less subject to manipulation by someone else through the repressed charge that, you know, you've shoved away somewhere. So you're saying...
1: Charge does not follow logic.
2: No. Well, it has its own logic, but it doesn't necessarily follow mental logic.
1: So, in other words, you can't talk to someone in a logical way when they have a charge. You can't. That's not what they're going to respond to. That's why groupthink is so susceptible to a charismatic leader.
2: Yeah. And when people are confronted about that logically it doesn't compute for them and they get very angry because it's not addressing their charge. So one last piece
1: of advice before we sign off here.
2: Well, I say that the charge is golden when it's not blocked. And so as we can harvest the charge into our body and become more alive, more centered, more present, we can operate with more sensitivity, with more effectiveness, and with more balance. Anandeya, thank you so much for being with us today. I've been
1: here with Anandeya Judith. She is the author of Charge and the Energy Body, the Vital Key to Healing Your Life, Your Chakras, and Your Relationships. And if you want to know more about her work, go to her website, anandeyajudith.com. That's spelled A-N-O-D-E-A Judith, J-U-D-I-T-H. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3653.
0: New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a 1,000 hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine willis toms Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. This program was recorded at Strawberry Hill Productions, a full-service podcast production studio in Novato, California.